Okay. So the first question is from Krishna Sevaka Prabhu. He says, uh, it's kind of a long question. He says, please accept my humble obeisances, Guru Maharaj. I have been reading from your book, Circle of Friends. My understanding is that in the Prakat Lila that occurred on this planet, as described, Krishna and Balaram do many things outside of Vrindavan in various Vaibha Prakash expansions. But in Vrindavan, Balaram is the only Vaibha Prakash expansion. Upon the return of Balaram to Vrindavan, after being away for some time, both Krishna and Radha asked him to satisfy certain gopis who have fallen in love with him, that is Balaram. It, it appears to me that Balaram does satisfy the gopis from a place of quote-unquote seva to Krishna and Radha rather than out of Madhurya. It appears that Balaram can express Madhurya in relationship with those gopis and that it is indeed part of his emotional quote-unquote rasa combination as well as neutrality that he expresses in Vrindavan in subtle ways like expanding himself as objects that Krishna uses. I imagine that if he can do all that in the Prakat Lila, that he can also be that way in the Aprakat Lila as Krishna desires. It seems that although Balaram is a Vaibhava expansion of Krishna, being his best friend, he is also our best friend here on earth by showing us how to let go of our separate self-centered desires by surrendering to Krishna's desire only. So my question is, is all this understanding in alignment with Shastra and our teachings? And can you elaborate? Well, if I understand the question uh, correctly, um, there um, may be an error in your thinking slightly, and that uh, being that Balaram, first of all, we look at Balaram through the lens of our own Sampradaya, and um, we find uh, consistently from the founding Acharyas and uh, from Vrindavan Das Thakur, uh, Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami in their uh, texts, Chaitanya Bhagavad and Chaitanya Charitamrita, respectively, that um, Balaram is, is constituted of Sakirasa and that that Sakirax is combined together with uh, a, a hint of um, Patsalya being the older brother and, and also Dasya. And the Dasya is more prominent in his constitution outside of Vrindavan in Mathura and Dwarka. And, and obviously beyond that, in exp- expansions where he accompanies uh, Vishnu as Seish. Hmm? Um, and so his romantic, romantic component, if you will, um, in his constitution is not something that is the focus of, uh, the Gaudiya Sampradaya. It is, uh, and he doesn't have a romantic relationship with Krishna's gopis. When Balaram is sent by Krishna to Vrindavan to uh, pacify the residents and assure them of his return, um, he uh, ultimately meets with the gopis as well. And in the language there of the Bhagavatam, we find that he has um, respect for the gopis' mahabhav. Hmm? He bows to their mahabhav that he witnesses. Um, 
and we find this in Chaitanya Charitamrita also within, when, when Nityananda Ram sees Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in the Ratha Yatra. In his own vision, Nityananda Prabhu's vision takes the form of Radha, his dancing, uh, takes the form of Radha. Krishna says through the pen of Krishna's Kaviraj that Ami Shisha Guru Nata, in dancing, Nata, uh, I'm the Sisha, and, and he goes on to say, and Radha, Radha's dancing is, is, is my guru. So in Ratha Yatra, we know that his dancing was so, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was so absorbed in the dancing that he entered into the mood of Radha in the vision of Jagannath Swami, who was, who startled and stopped the cart, wouldn't move. So sweet, witnessing this at a distance and understanding what was taking place, Nityananda Prabhu paid the Dandavats at a distance to uh to Radharani. So we find this also when he speaks to the gopis on behalf of Krishna, they have great respect for him. It's expressed there as the older brother, and he has great awe and reverence or respect, let's say it's a respect for their Mahabhav. And he is Sankarshan. He is which means to draw together. Uh, so he's drawing together in this instance by drawing Krishna to the scene, hmm, making himself so uh, surrendered to Krishna to represent him, that the gopis begin to feel Krishna's presence in in Balaram, and some say that his his complexion changed from uh, whitish to, to to sham at that time. Uh, but this doesn't mean that Balaram has a relationship with Krishna's gopis. He, on the other hand, has his own gopis, gopis who fell in love with him during the holy Leela in Braj. And that is who Krishna is telling him to tender to. Radha is asking him to tender to them. Nanda Maharaj agrees and so forth. And so he, um, then the, the Ram got, um, Leela, uh, takes place where Krishna, where Balaram meets with those young gopis, uh, and he drinks the Maruni beverage, he chastises the Jamuna, uh, and so on and so forth. Um, but these are different gopis. And uh, Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsti Thakur considers the relationship with these gopis to be Mariada. Mariada is another name for Vaidhi, hmm? Vaidhi Marg. Hmm? So there's a, a rather than Raganuga. Hmm? And um, we don't have any person, any gopi, for example, in that group of Balaram's gopis, who would stand as an example that we could follow, which is what Raganuga is about. Raganuga is about following the example of one of the associates of Krishna in Braj. So um, it's not a rag, marg um, uh, destination, if you will, to become a gopi of Balaram. Um, but these are uh, this is an aspect of Balaram that is very um, secondary, if you will, to the focus of the Gaudi Sampradaya on Balaram, whose Ragmarg uh, sentiments are all in relation to Krishna. He is the perfect example of love of Krishna in Sakirasa. You could say the same about him in 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 Vatsalya Rasa and Madhurya Rasa, that those all being part of his comp- emotional composition. Um, 
And at the same time that he's the perfect example of that idea, those ideals, he is also the object of love for Sakiras at the same time. So he is perfect ex- ideal and in that uh, sense, the uh, example of love and he is the object of love as well. So we find in, in Krishna's coward pastimes that sometimes he's taking the role of the object of love for the coward boys more than he's taking the role of um, um, being the ideal friend and the personification of uh, the love rather than the object of love. When Krishna goes, for example, to Radhakun with some of his Namrasaka friends, the rest of the boys stay with Balaram. There he very much takes the role of being the object of love. When they're together, that also happens, Krishna and Balaram, but there's more of a tendency then for them to see him and his friends as the example, perfect example of love of Krishna in Sakyarasa. So, um, so, so the, you know, with regard to the Madhurya um, side of Balaram, well then, uh, yes, you know, he manifests as the, as the, as the bedstead of, uh, of, of, of Krishna, um, and other surrounding paraphernalia. In this way, he assists really in a Dasya sensibility, uh, through those manifestations, the Madhurya Rasa of Balaram, just as, uh, of Krishna, just as Ananda Sesh is the couch on which Vishnu lies with Lakshmi. Hmm? So it's not that Ananda Sesh has a romantic relationship with Krishna. Hmm? Or with Lakshmi, <laughs> uh, for that matter. So uh, there, there are there is a sect within uh, some sector within Gaudi Vaishnavism on the Bengal side that that have tried to uh, theologize such as to place Nityananda Prabhu prominently in Madhurya Rasa, but this is not uh, supported by the by the Goswamis, by Krishnadas Kaviraj, Vandavanas Thakur, and so forth. So we, we follow them. Um, I'm not sure if I answered your question. Um, please, if you're there, Krishna Sevuk, is it? Um, you can reply. But I mean, I, I think this was, the, maybe you missed this this part from what I remember from hearing your question, the, the fact that Krishna Balaram has gopis of his of his own, he doesn't have a, a gopi bhav relationship with with uh, Krishna's gopis, and Krishna's re- relationship with his gopis is parakia. The relationship between Balaram and his gopis is swakia. Hmm? He's married. He comes to Braj. Krishna asks him as he heads. By the way, those girls, you know, that you that had a crush on you during holy, you should, you know, tender to them. He says, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, he doesn't take it too, too seriously. But when he finally meets with the gopis and pacifies them, Radharani's fully pacified as much as she can be in Krishna's absence, but more so through Balaram's um, representation of Krishna than, for example, Uddhava was earlier on. But she says, nonetheless, but there are these other gopis who are, you know, you know, that uh, I've been waiting for you. And he goes, yeah, yeah, okay. And if, if Nanda Maharaj, you know, says so. So Nanda Maharaj then says, so after Krishna, 
Radha, Nanda Maharaj, insistence. Then he goes and and has a Gandharva marriage with with, with them. Um, so his relationship with them is not not parakia. He's not going out, stealing out every night to meet with them. Um, so it's very very uh, different. And the Mariada side, uh, you know, of Balaram is not something that's that's the emphasis in our uh, sampradaya. There are other sampradayas, other lineages who who emphasize that side in his relationship with Revati, who he married in Dwarka or Matura, I think it was Dwarka, uh, uh, and, and so on. So, you know, obviously he's a multifaceted person, but we should focus on the the focus of the, the lens of the Goswamis hmm? on on Balaram. Hmm? So I don't know if you're if you're present here if that because you, that was uh, uh, read your question you wrote it out but if you if you are and you have further uh, comment or haven't really addressed your your question entirely um, let us know. He's not present here today. He couldn't make it, but uh, I'm sure he'll come back with the follow up or something. So the next question is from Udhava from Spain. I don't know the answer to that one. <laughs> Udhava, can you hear me? Hello. Okay, I think we let's see. I could probably unmute you here. Okay. There we go. Can you hear me? See. I wanted to ask you, you know, because uh, one of the like uh, I think a few months ago there was an interview with Satya Narayan Das Babaji in the Namarasa podcast. And there he spoke about the six aguru, but he spoke about the six aguru in a very, you know, like, uh, how would you say, like, that is, you can only have one, you know, that uh, your six aguru and this aguru, you know, must be the same. And more or less, I understand, you know, the, what he's trying to say, but would you elaborate more on the subject and how you will how you view this issue and how, you know, our acharyas and our line, you know, will balance the issue of the Siksha Guru? Yeah, surely. The Siksha Guru is a Gaudiya Vaishnav concept. You will not find this Siksha Guru concept anywhere else. When the Puranas mention the Guru, for example, when the Bhagavad Gita mentions Guru, for example, um, we don't find some differentiation between a Diksha Guru and a Siksha Guru. Um, Siksha means instruction, so it's it's fairly obvious that a, a, any Guru who we're going to take initiation from, we must have received Siksha from, hmm? right? Instruction from, must have heard from the, him or her. Um, so uh, to divide these two, this is uh, a device, if you will, that has arisen in the Godi Sampradaya. Now, um, uh, the concept is um, is emphasized to some extent in Chaitanya Charitamrita, where the opening line of the text is Vande Gurun Isha Bhaktanaya, from our respects to the Guru. Gurun is in, in the plural. 
it could be taken because the plural case is sometimes used um, for a reverence and it could be speaking singularly at the same time. But Krishna's Kabiraj doesn't use it in that way. He uses it as, as a plurality and the plurality, if you will, of gurus that he plays out is the Diksha Guru, Siksha Guru concepts. And he says there that the Guru and the Siksha Guru are uh, equal in their spiritual um, uh, standing, but their functions are different. Hmm? Um, so the function of the Diksha Guru, uh, just if we just want to take away Siksha and just leave Diksha, Diksha means the imparting of the mantra. Hmm? And, of course, that same Diksha Guru, obviously, through his Siksha or her Siksha, we, we are captured and and our faith is uh, uh, arrested and, and the mantras are imparted and there'll be subsequent instructions and so forth. But um, that there may be persons in our spiritual life who serve as Siksha Guru, as a Siksha Guru, uh, although we've already been initiated, there's no, we don't receive the mantra from them, but we receive Siksha from them, instruction. And um, it seems that this arose in the Gaudiya Sampradaya, uh, with an emphasis on the Siksha Guru, for the very reason that sometimes the Diksha Guru hmm, proved to be, um, in some respects, uh, lacking, but not to an extent that he or she should be disrespected or rejected, hmm, but the lacking, nonetheless, is made up for by way of a, um, a Siksha Guru who has arguably greater standing uh, in knowledge, in, in bhakti, uh, capacity to inspire us and so forth. And so this uh, was a way in which the Guru institution, if you will, was preserved rather than throwing it out because somebody didn't... Um, um, measure up entirely to the ideal uh, standards of uh, you know, what, a, what, what a guru means. Um, you have to understand that we have gurus within the Varnashram system that are Brahmins that aren't Siddha Purushas and so forth. And so when it came to the founding of the Sampradaya on the part of the, the Siddha Purushas, if you will, who are the Goswamis, uh, their successors were largely householders. And uh, it seems that the immediate successors of the Goswamis, for the most part, being householders, adopted the name, the surname of Goswami. Maybe not as a way of saying, therefore, I'm a Goswami in the literal sense of the term. My senses are fully controlled, but, but we are the followers of Jiva Goswami. We're the followers of Rupa Goswami. We're the followers of of Sanatana Goswami. So our name is, is Goswami. So you have these Goswami families, Jati Goswamis. Hmm? So uh, Jati Gosai. Uh, and uh, there's a can be a problem with that, but then in that group, there may be good uh, representatives as well hmm? in some instances. So uh, uh, and we, we find that in the, in, in the Sampradaya. But these... Uh, Householder uh, disciples who took care of the deities of Govindaji and um, uh, Madhav Mohan and so forth, uh, Radharamanji and so on. 
they um, uh, formed a certain, well, they gave shape and more form to what initiation involves and, and so on. And they developed different telocks, uh, you know, uh, it's not that Gadadhar put on a particular telock and that did not appear from a spiritual world with another telock and waited with a different telock. Uh, and so these ideas were developed by the, by these Goswami families later on. It's not a bad thing, but they were like defining in greater detail through rules and regulations and form, giving shape to and institutionalizing the line, the lineage, uh, um, um, they, they, they employed these kind of ideas. So that by the time it came down to, you know, Bhakti Siddhanta, basically initiation was you got a letter, which was your Diksha Patra, and it said this on it, and you wore a certain T-lock if you were in this lineage or that lineage, and so on and so on, whatever, you know, they developed from their particular lines that, that externally defined them. Meanwhile, you have a very smaller group of Gorkishore Das Babaji's or, uh, uh, or, um, uh, Jagannath Das Babaji, for example, type of, uh, of, uh, Nirapikshas, renunciates, Sudapurushas. They're not, they're giving Diksha. They don't do all these things. Gorkishore didn't do that when he gave initiation to Bhakti Siddhanta. Uh, it, so in essence and substance, they can, uh, they conveyed what was required to be conveyed, they imparted what was required to be imparted, uh, and so forth. Uh, so these are all relative, uh, these, these type of, uh, um, measures. They're not necessarily bad things, but they're bad when they become thought of as, you gotta have it exactly like this, it's gotta be done exactly like that, and so forth. Um, so anyway, I'm going a little bit on a tangent, but what I'm speaking about is the whole phenomenon of Guru Tattva in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, how it's developed over the years um, and, and, and so forth. These Goswami families were all Brahmins. Brahmins are the, typically the, are the, the caste within the Varnashram that serves as the guru. So, you know, when you're forming a Sampradaya, in that atmosphere of Varnashram, uh, world, uh, social, religious, uh, uh, norms and so forth, then, well, who should be the, who should be the gurus in Godivashi? Well, they should be Brahmins, hmm? ideally. Uh, but of course, as the teaching goes on, not necessarily. They may be a fully qualified, like Narutam Thakur and, and, and not be a Brahman and be initiate, initiate widely. He was probably the first you know, to do that, um, and so forth. And there are many, many, many examples of that afterwards and so forth. So what I'm getting to add here is it is since forever in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, there have been gurus who are very, very deeply realized and qualified. And then there have been gurus who are not as deeply realized and qualified, but they're capable of passing on the instructions. They set a good example, um, uh, and so forth. And in some instances, well, that latter group may be lacking in some ways, and there there could be problems. And there are early texts that attest to the fact that some of the gurus, it's not a new phenomenon that the gurus were uh, lacking in some way. And the way, to get to your point, that this was compensated for in Gaudiya Vaishnavism was rather than to dismiss those gurus, to accept a Siksha guru. Hmm? 
Hmm? Unless in extreme cases of the guru's departure from norms, standards, and so forth, it actually required rejecting him or her altogether, which that, that is also something that is um, addressed in, 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 in the text, in, in Bhakti Sindarbha and, and, and other texts. Uh, but by and large, the attempt was to try to preserve that. And the Siksha Guru was a, um, um, a way in which that could be preserved and the shortcoming could be made up for. We look at the life of Bhakti Vinod Thakur. Well, his Diksha Guru, Bhidma Bihari Goswami, um, 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 I would say was, did not have the same spiritual standing as Jagannath Das Babaji, and Jagannath Das Babaji was the was the Siksha Guru of uh, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, and we find things in excuse me, Bhakti Vinod, we find things in Bhakti Vinod that weren't in Bipin Bihari Goswami. So Bhakti Siddhanta concludes he got it from from Jagannath Das Babaji. So there's an emphasis there uh, in that instance. Bhakti Vinod respected Bhipin Bihari Goswami uh, and, and throughout his life and so forth. But um, um, it's apparent from the history uh, at, at, at a certain point, his um, shelter, more substantially, became Jagannath Das Babaji. So, so uh, this is how it all you know, developed in, in, in Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Now, the Siksha Guru, uh, I, I've said to you that in Chaitanya Charitamrita Krishna Das Kavira says they're of equal spiritual standing. Their function is different only. That's, so there, there's the real definition. However, the term Siksha Guru has also, uh, over the centuries, uh, been, uh, diluted, if you will, or its meaning to be expanded into a more general sense. Drawing on, for example, let's say the commentary of, of, uh, Jiva Goswami on, uh, the, um, Bhagavatam, I believe it's 11th canto, where the, uh, the, I forget the, the name, the sage says he has 24 different gurus. Hmm? The river is my guru. The bee is the, the honey bee is my guru. The, this, they are all manifestations of the natural world, from the flora and the fauna and so forth. Um, and Jeeva Goswami says these are were his siksha gurus. He learned from them. So you know, there's a broad interpretation who gives siksha. So it was it was commonly thought, for example, in Gaudiya Math, after the passing of Bhakti Siddhanta, several devotees emerged as, as gurus and they were qualified and successful. He had Madhav Maharaj, he had Sridhar Maharaj, you had Keshav Maharaj. This is before my guru Maharaj started his mission and so forth. They all had disciples and they, their disciples interacted. They considered, oh, Bon Maharaj is my sixth guru and Sridhar Maharaj is my sixth guru and Madhav Maharaj is my sixth guru. You know, respectfully, in a broad sense. Um, it's another way of looking at it, kind of broad. Then, there, then there's the more specific sense, like it's discussed, mentioned in Chaitanya Charjamita that I addressed first. This is my sixth guru. My substantial connection to the lineage lies here. Um, and that guru teaches me more, uh, uh, instructs me, sets an example, inspires me, and, and, and so forth. 
But probably what Satya Narayanadas Babaji was talking about is the fact that, you know, the more uh, usual situation is that the, you have one guru. The guru is, a, is your diksha guru, and he's your siksha guru too, because you really can't be a diksha guru without giving siksha. Hmm? And so in the presence of the guru who is your diksha guru, he's also your siksha guru, and you probably would do well not to listen to this babaji, that babaji, that one, and that one, uh, and pay attention to what your diksha guru is saying. Then you won't have to have... Um, Get, get confused because someone else is saying it a little different over here. They teach it a little differently over there. And then, then your guru has to take the trouble to, you know, say, well, you know, okay, we do it like this and, and so on. So in times gone by, you know, we didn't have an internet to listen to Satyanarayan Das Babaji over here or this one over there or that one over there. You lived in a village, you had a guru and you listened to your guru and he was your diksha guru and he was your siksha guru and boss, that's it. Hmm? That's the normal situation. Probably Satya Narayan is talking, you know, about that um, more. Now, you know, it might be that in the absence of your Diksha Guru, who's fully qualified and so forth, after his passing from the world, or in his absence through the circumstances, uh, my godmother, Chutananda Maharaj, was in India and he was there alone. Prabhupada was in America for an extended period of time. He was feeling weak. He asked if there was any Diksha Guru that he could, you know, get guidance from in Prabhupada's absence. And Prabhupada said, yes, you can go to Sridhar Marjan Navadweep would speak of how you can benefit from him. I consider him my Siksha Guru myself. So he went, he spent six, eight months there in the Moth. So there are instances like that. Um, but, you know, that's more more uncommon. The common thing, I think this is what the, what Babaji was emphasizing, is probably the Guru is your Diksha Guru, he's your Siksha Guru, and, and, and that's that. Um, um, so... Does that help? Yes, you know, because uh, I see a common phenomenon, you know, for uh, that because different devotees have many six gurus, so basically they pick and choose the six yeah. guru that says whatever they like the most. You well, know, that's, that means they have no guru. Many gurus means no guru. One guru means many gurus. If you have one real guru, then you have access to all the gurus. Mm-hmm. Uh, than the parampara. But if you have many gurus, you have no guru. You have only your mind <laughs> is the guru. So, good. Yeah. It's a good understanding. Sajan uh, has a follow-up on this one. Okay. Nandavats Maharaj. Right. You mentioned just now <clears throat> that um, the um Grihasta Goswamis um gave initiation in a particular way and they even perhaps formalized or standardized it in a particular way. Um but that Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur uh did not receive initiation from Srila Gorakishwar Das Babaji in that way. Is it actually known uh, the way in which uh, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta received initiation from Srila Gorkashore, Das Babaji? Well, what we know is that he didn't receive a Diksha Patra. Patra means letter. Right. So you get this letter, and then the letter says, you're initiated, this is your guru, this is his guru, this is his guru, his guru, his guru. And then and, and besides the names of the gurus in succession, going back to Nityananda Prabhu or Advaita, they would also give the 
the Tarup of the of the Guru's name, you know, and 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 the Dinanda so and so, and you know this one, this one, and and and, and so um, um, this is thought to be like you got to have this letter, you know, it's got to. Uh, this is very essential, of course. It'd be pretty long, you know, after in a thousand, you know, five thousand years. Well, that letter would would be, you know, a book of names, you know, <laughs> ten thousand years. So it's it's you know the, the practicality of that is 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 obviously brought into in, into question. So um, you know they were you know, you, you would give it the tea lock. This is your tea lock. You have to wear this kind of tea lock. You're in our party bar. Whatever these things, you know. What we know from Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur is that he said, "My guru told me, you will your, your swarup will be realized in the syllables of the Hare Krishna mantra." Hmm? That's what he told him. Instead of your swarup is this, this is how you walk and talk there, and, and this and that, and you know, and start doing that in your mind. He didn't do that. Hmm? He said, "You realize your swarup in the syllables of the Hare Krishna mantra," and so. We find in Bhakti Siddhanta, as it was the case in Bhakti Vinod Thakur, a very a strong emphasis on Harinam. Hmm? <laughs> once met with a god brother of mine who left Prabhupada's line and went outside. Uh, he's known now as um, Pran. I met him once in, mm. in the week when we were talking, and I emphasized this point to him that everything be realized by Hari, by 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 Kirtanam, by, by Kirtan. Yes, he said maybe by Leela Kirtan. <laughs> so I realized, well, he doesn't really understand the, the, the efficacy of the name in which the Leela is found, and so forth. Um, so, uh, so you know, you can't get around this 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 point. And so that we know, um, and whatever else he receives between him and uh, Gorakshiras Babaji, I often say, if you've got a complaint with Bhakti Siddhanta about what he received, you know, in the name of initiation, you should address it to Gore Kishore <laughs> first. Right. <laughs> so, right. um, we, 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 you know, the affection of Gore Kishore Das Babaji for Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasitaka is very palpable and apparent in the testimony of Keshav Maharaj, who, uh, was once called along with some other close, um, persons who, uh, uh, to to try to help get Gorkashore Das Babaji Marsh out of a um, an outhouse that he had locked himself in, uh, not to be bothered by anybody, and he was wailing out the names of Krishna. And so people tried to get him out for his own sake, huh? and they couldn't get him out. And when when Keshav Marsh, who was initiated by Bhakti Siddhanta, hmm, who right. who Bhakti Siddhanta was initiating in the presence of Gorkashore and in the presence of uh, Bhakti Vinodakar, obviously with their blessings, um, when he heard, "Oh, it's the disciple of Gokushur of, of, of Bhakti Siddhanta," then he he opened the door. Hmm. Oh. Uh, so there, just one instance. Mm. So the connection between Gokushur and Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasvatakar is, is something that some people have tried to dismiss over the over the decades on the basis of uh, nothing but hearsay and. The, as far as they know, where's the Dikshapatra? Well, you know, he might have had him for all we know. Well, that's another thing, you know. But, uh, you know, it's a question of uh, <coughs> misconstruing details for, for principles. Yeah, I had no, I had no idea that Srila Keshava Maharaj met 
actually met Srila Gorkasho Das Babaji. That's uh, that's pretty interesting. Thank you for sharing that. Maharaj <laughs> Kijay. Next question. Okay, the next question is uh, kind of a psychological one from Harinam Das from Virginia. He says, should we feel bad about having fear? Does that emotion hold us back from returning to Krishna? And is fear more detrimental to bhakti than other material emotions? We should have fear of, of deviating from Krishna consciousness. We should have fear. Bhakti, bhakti, bhakti Prahlad Maharaj expresses fear in the Bhagavatam, fear of, of maya, that the power of, of the illusory energy might distract me. And so I pray to Krishna uh, that, that, I, that I have the strength to not to be distracted. So a healthy fear of, of bad association that, uh, and circumstances and the power of material nature. That if I think I have no fear of material nature, well, you, she's pretty big <laughs> and pretty darn powerful. We just go stand on the shore of the ocean and just, just so what is an ocean in the vat of on earth in terms of the vastness of material nature? It's galaxies, universes, uh, Gases and winds and uh, whatever, uh, and, and the ocean is just a small sample of that, and it is so powerful that you, you just it's it's uh, I mean <laughs> that's what it does to me. The ocean is like wow, that thing is powerful, <laughs> um, and, and so if you're not afraid of the ocean. Well, you should have a little bit of fear what that thing can do to you, you know. I'll go ride the wave. Well, the may wave may have another idea what it, what it wants to do with you. And I've had that experience myself. So I have great respect uh, for the ocean and its waves and her waves, uh, for example. So, uh, you know, yeah, uh, we, 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 we wear Tulsi neck beads to protect us so that even other common people will remind us of, you know, of, our commitment by asking, what are those nice beads on your neck? <laughs> oh. And then you got to, oh yeah, well, uh, what are, yeah, right. Uh, and then you have to explain yourself and you have to think what, so this is what it's supposed to do. Uh, devotional attire, devotional song and so forth. So, um, otherwise, um, yeah, you can be, a, uh, uh, you know, what, what to do, you know, now, you know, we may be on the uh, precipice of a, of a third world war, a nuclear blast, you know, uh, given the Russia and uh, Ukraine situation and so forth. It's very, uh, uh, um, a dangerous thing. Should we be afraid of nuclear war? Well, it was addressed to Shida Marsh. He said, what did he say? Uh, world War Three, let it be or something like that. <laughs> What can you do? You know, you've got to die. Some, I remember we went on a walk. We went on a walk with, I was on one of, you know, many, but one of the walks of Prabhupada in, in, in Mayapur. And, and, uh, and Prabhupada said, soon there may be war. You know, he was, he was reading the papers and seeing the situation with Pakistan and India. And he thought, is this could be, this could break out and they're both nuclear powers and could be a problem. And so when he said, you know, is this, oh, there's so many devotees. Oh, probably, you know, what about this and that? And the whole walk was kind of about that. And we, we went out through the rice field and so forth as he would and back around towards the Mayapur temple. And um, I remember Ramaswar was saying, but he and probably said, well, preaching will be good during the war. You know, we, you know, we, we'll distribute prasadam and so forth. And then Ramaswar said something like, 
But probably you don't understand. They have these nuclear weapons, you know, and they they, they have radiation. And he's going like on and on like this, you know, explaining the the danger of it and the fear of it and so forth. And Prabhupada said, he just kind of stops and you have to die. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's going to happen some way or another. That's, that's a given, you know, so like, let's just move on here, you know, and then just onto the temple we went, you know, greeted by the Sankirtan. So uh, I think we have to put, you know, the dangers of life, if you will. And the thing that really is driving the fear of the jiva, the, the fear of not being, Mm-hmm. that's a reality. You're not going to be what you think you are, which is what you're not. <laughs> this body, uh, this body-mind complex is, is not what you are. That is on, on death row. It's uh, it's it's already been sentenced. <laughs> and uh, and so, but you can get out. So that's, that's the teaching. So I, I, you know, otherwise, I mean, um, uh, yeah, you might be fearful of something that's going to happen to your children or something happened to one of them or your pet or you have to put those things in, in, in perspective philosophically as I, as I'm doing here. Um, and, um, not let that emotion in that way uh, get the best of but, but like is the case with all emotions, then there's a place for them in Krishna consciousness at the same time. And I've explained that a fear of a healthy fear of of the power of material nature to distract me from that by which I can transcend um, my present condition, which is over and overall a fearful one. This is the all-pervading um, uh, issue, if you will, a problem of material existence, fear. fear. Uh, it, it is more pervasive than, than, the, than the sexual urge. And you probably know that that's pretty strong. That, well, the fear was even is even stronger. Hmm? Fear that, that that's 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 this world. Hmm? So therefore, we should um, take shelter of Abhayi Charanadavinda. Hmm? He at whose feet one becomes fearless. Okay. Another question. I had a quick follow up. So it seems like a lot of devotees nowadays have trouble. Uh, kind of like ascertaining what is healthy fear and what's like what goes too far and so they they like swing from one end of the pendulum to the other so what is exactly like healthy fear of maya for somebody who lives in the world but wants to be a serious body well i think the, uh, the that fear would be expressed by um a uh consistent and regular commitment to to the practice, it can, it can be, it's a motivating factor. It's negative. It's a motivating factor at the same time. Now, fear, duty, these are not, um, prospect. These are not motives that drive Raghunuga Bhakti, but our Raghunuga Bhakti is rather weak. Ajata Ruchi, not driven by the Ruchi that characterizes Raghunuga Bhakti. And so it's largely Vaidhi Bhakti with an ideal to attain, you know, the, the, uh, the Rag Marg in Braj Bhakti, but, you know, fear is going to be there. Prospect is going to be there in the average devotee in terms of I'm doing this because I will attain it's my prospect because scripture says it's the right thing to do, duty, um, uh, fear and so forth. So I, I, I think that, um, 
just as an aside, you know, that that's going to be there. But I think that to answer your question, if, again, that um, the healthy way that that fear would be expressed would be in applying oneself um, uh, uh, seriously and in, in a regulated way to those things that protect me hmm, from becoming distracted. Makes okay. sense. Yeah. Okay, the next question is from Maran Mohan from Brighton, UK. Hey, Krishna Guru Maharaj. Uh, so um, my question, it comes from um, uh, as, it comes from a sentence in Teachings of Lord Chaitanya, Prabhupada's Teachings of Lord Chaitanya, but it's, it's something I've also seen in um, sometimes in Bhakti Vinodakur, I think maybe Krishna Samhita, um, so I'll just re- read the sentence uh, in particular. He's speaking about um, rasa and, and kind of like rasa in a, in, a, in a sense of progressions through through rasas. So he says, in the fourth stage called Vatsalyarati, the fraternal affection evinced in the preceding stage develops into parental affection. And so obviously, gen- generally, the teaching isn't there's like a development, but rather that, you know, like Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, you know, they're, everyone's got uh, a particular bhav, if you will. So I was just wondering if you had any insight why there's some cases, not in their overall teaching, but Prabhupada and Bhakti Thakur, they kind of um, have this idea of kind of progression through the rasas, if you will. I don't think they're really uh, uh, teaching that there. Um, but what they're, they're, they're talking about it in a particular way in which it sounds like that. But what they're saying is exactly what Rupa Goswami says, that in Shantarasa, for example, there are two prominent uh, features. And if we go to Dasyarasa, those two prominent features of Shantarasa are present in Dasyarasa, but something more is present. Then if we go to Sakyarasa, those features that are that are present in in in, in, in Dasaras are present, and something more is so. There's a progression in 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 that sense, and some in a couple. And I think in one place, Prabhupada wrote about it. And I think he quoted Bhakti Siddhanta, and it sounds like you first you're going to develop Shantarasa, and then you're going to progress, and you're going to develop Dasaras, and then you're going to keep serving, and you can develop Sakirasa, then Manurirasa. So forth, but obviously there is a wealth of teachings to the contrary in this regard. Save and except for Shantarasa, which is a position that is not emphasized in Gaudi Vaishnavism and is thought to be a rasa from which, through association, one could develop further hmm? by association with Dasya Bhaktas or Sakya Bhaktas. A Shantarasa Bhakta could develop. We could, we could look at maybe. And, and the Shantarasa is a broad topic. There are different types of Shantarasa, um, different degrees of it and so forth. Uh, uh, we could, I think in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, even Jiva Goswami might even say, cite Sukadev Goswami as an example of someone. And, and then he, he became, uh, developed, you know, beyond that. So anyway, other than that possibility within Shantarasa, one who develops the, 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 the defining emotion, um, in Dasyarasa, the stai bhav, stai means permanent, right? Fixed bhava. This is the bhava around which the other bhavas uh, 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 form 
And together, the composite of these is what we call bhakti rasa. In this case, the bhakti you have you have the 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 um, dasya rati. Hmm? There's the rati hmm, of dasi, which means the stai bhav of rasa. But until that bhav is developed through spiritual practice um, in higher stages, such that it's that it's uh, bundled together with the other, the vibhav, anubhav, um, uh, bhav and, and so forth, then it's not dasyarasa. Hmm? It's dasyarati. Dasyarati leads to dasyarasa. The dasyarati doesn't lead to vatsalyarati. Vatsalyarati doesn't lead to madhuryarati or sakyarati and so on and so forth. Therefore, therefore they, they don't, those rasas don't change. They are the, 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 the rasa itself is the development of the rati. Rati is another name for bhav. These 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 terms have different <laughs> different meanings in, in different instances and so forth, just like English words do. Um, so, uh, but anyway, attaining bhava, it, that when that is churned, it turns into rasa. And bhava means here a stai bhav. Hmm? Um, so, what's churned then is the stai bhav. The stai bhav is is thought to be like an ocean, hmm? and from the ocean, water is evaporated and turns into clouds. And then it comes back down into the ocean in the form of rain and causes the ocean to swell. So when you develop a staibhav for sakirasa, hmm, that's like the ocean. And then as it's cultured internally, that some of the, the water of the ocean is evaporated into the clouds in this analogy, and the rain is the other bob is coming down. Now you have all of them together combining, assisting that, that particular staibhav causing the ocean to, to go to high tide or for a tsunami of bhakti rasa, right? Uh, um, and so, you know, where's the scope? You've attained bhakti rasa of sakya. You are a coward boyfriend of Krishna. Are you going to turn into a mother of Krishna? Are you going to turn into a gopi of Krishna? <laughs> or No, that's not, that's not how it works. So I just think that you know, there's, there's, um, uh, there's something to be said about writing and something to be said about editing. There are different types of editing and so forth. Well, it's very useful to have an editor. Hmm? Very useful. Different types of editors. An editor could say, Guru Maharaj, you said this over here, and over here, 500 pages later, you're saying it like this, and it sounds like they're contradictory. Maybe you could clear that up so that the readers won't be confused, because I know you aren't, but yeah, okay, thank, I see that. Uh-huh, okay, yeah, this is what I, how I meant to say it, and I'll say it better, thanks, thanks to your help, and, and, and so forth. So, you know, that's a modern phenomenon. Hmm? And um, Prabhupada had editors. Before him, I don't think anybody had editors, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but Prabhupada's editors were copy editors at best. 
not substantive editors. They didn't know, you know, the subject well enough to be a substantive editor and say, Prophet said this over here, says this over here, you know, or catch something. The Goswamis have said this, you're saying it like this here. Someone could think you're saying it, you know, differently than the Goswamis. I know you're not. So maybe you could, you know, write that paragraph, you know, that kind of a thing. Nobody had the, uh, the familiarity with the tradition to, to give that kind of input to, uh, Prabhupada. But that's, uh, very useful. But, uh, uh, now we, you know, in our tradition, hopefully, you know, we have that. I mean, that's part of writing in the modern world, which is a, you know, effort to communicate, right? So this is going to be the case. You're going to go back through books of the Goswamis and you're going to think, well, if he had an editor here, he would have, you could find in the works of Rupa Goswami, Jeeva Goswami, uh, all of them. Hmm? Um, things where, you know, maybe it could have been said a little better because the, of course, they're writing for a particular audience at that time too. We're an audience, you know, 500 years later. Um, so anyway, um, I think that there are a couple of places in Bhakti Vinod's book, and I can remember one paragraph in Prabhupada's uh, commentary in Chaitanya Charitamrita in the fifth, uh, fifth, uh, would have been a, maybe the seventh chapter of Adi Leela, mm-hmm. when he's describing the, uh, internal associates, uh, subject is Gadadhar Pandit. There's a purport like that, and Prabhupada's citing Bhakti Siddhanta, and, and, and I think it sounds like that, but that's how, how to, they're not gonna, they're not contradicting such a central point of the philosophy um, given by Rupa Goswami um, with regard to the permanence of a particular rasa upon attaining. Does that help? Yeah, wonderful. Thank you, Guru Maharaj. Sajjan is a brief follow-up. Maharaj, um, <clears throat> is, would, would Uddhava uh, be um, an ideal example of someone within whom um, all the rasas of um, Shanta and Dasya and Sakya be be present in his relationship with Krishna. Uddhava, his uh, emotional uh, spiritual composition is Dasya rasa mixed with Sakya, mm-hmm. mixed with Sakya, and um, we find when he was sent to Braj, he became attracted to the. Uh, to the to the gopis, right? Now, uh, this is an instance in which the sakya in his composition was prominent, and he he it even reached what's called pranai in 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 braj, and and the sakya rasa is compatible or maduri rasa is compatible with that, so. In that situation, there, there may be devotee in, in a prominent rasa, a, a primary rasa, becomes attracted to another primary rasa manifested in another devotee or, or, or as it manifests in Krishna. There are different ways in which it could, it could happen. Those are two prominent ways. And then because that's a compatible rasa, hmm, one's attraction to it, let's say you're in Sakya Rasa and you find it you're attracted to, to Krishna's Madhurya Rasa, how it affects him. Hmm? Then that Madhurya Rasa becomes a, 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 a kind of an assistant Rasa to your Sakya Rasa, like adding honey to, to yogurt. Hmm? <laughs> Sakya Rasa is the yogurt 
and you're attracted to a compatible rasa, and it has an influence of sweetening the, the sakya rasa, sweetening this up. It doesn't replace it. It doesn't. Right. Now, if if you have an incompatible rasa, then it can cause it to 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 um, curdle. Yeah, the curdle. Recede. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, something like that um, uh, to be uh, diminished in in its um, in its in its influence. So, so this is a, a complicated uh, aspect of Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu in the second to the last chapter of the whole book, I believe, the mixing of rasas. Uddhava Kijai. Thank you, Maharaj. Thank you. What else? Okay, the next question is from uh, Anari Krishna from Poland. Dandavas Maharaj to you and to devotees. Uh, my question is... Can't hear you. In the beginning. Can't hear you. And now, uh, do you hear me? No? Anari Krishna, I can hear you. Did you go to the English and uh, click on English at the bottom? Uh, may, may I uh, re- uh, read to you and, and you... Yeah, uh, yeah, we can do it like that. In the beginning of Bhagavad Gita, as it is, Srila Prabhupada writes that the living entity is prone to control because the, this quality is present in Krishna. So is there Krishna conscious control and how does it relate to Sharanagati when we are fully dependent on Krishna? So Anari Krishna is saying in the beginning, I think it's an introduction to the Bhagavad Gita as it is, Prabhupada says that the living entities are prone to control or wanting to control because that's an aspect of Krishna. So he's asking if there's a Krishna conscious way of, of trying to control things. Yes, you have to control your senses. <laughs> control your mind. <laughs> that wants to control everything and tell it that it's not in control. Uh, <laughs> humorous, of course, but, um, but, um, uh, the, uh, I mean, you could use the uh, controlling, you know, tendency, if you will, let's say, in a, in a missionary uh, situation to manage a mission. Uh, you know, you're a household, let's say, you have to manage your household and your children. You have to control your children, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you can control them, uh, you know, in, in a Krishna conscious direction. And so on and so forth. So I, there, there may be many ways in which that uh, overall tendency can be applied in uh, in Krishna consciousness. But even primarily, you do have to con- you know control your own mind. That's a, that's a huge task right there, right? Control your senses. Hmm. Um, and, and again, your children, your pets, your 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 your. You can't function without controlling, right? You can't move in the world out of control. That wouldn't be Krishna conscious, right? So there's some measure of control is going to be part of a Krishna conscious life um, as well. But uh, but yeah, there is a neurotic, you know, problem with having to control everything, hmm? keep everything under control, and uh, you know that's a psychological issue that that. Uh, if you, if anyone is, you know, suffering from that, or if others in your company are are are, are suffering from that, 
then um, there's ways in which I'm sure from a psychological point of view that can be um, toned down, dealt with, normalized, so forth. So that's a brief answer. Hope it helps. Anything else? Sorry, Gormash, I was muted. Uh, so Buck the Craig has a question from Brighton. Hi, Krishna Maharaj. Um, if Guru is captain of the ship and uh, God brothers and God sisters are um, uh, the crew, how important is it to uh, kind of assess who, who uh, the crew um, when we're choosing uh, guru? Um, well, that depends. I think um, for myself, um, obviously, I learned about. Prabhupada through the service of his disciples, um, you know, who were introducing him uh, to the world as the vast, vast, you know, 99.9% of the devotees was the case. Some of them met him first before meeting any other devotee. Uh, but at the same time, um, and I was, you know, in those days I was inspired by their example. I thought, you know, I want to I, 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 I wanted to um, become enlightened was my ideal and I wanted a guru and I felt these people were like serious they were shaving their heads and wearing orange robes and stuff you know and they, they were like they're into it they're, they're for real you know that, that inspired me um, but um, at the same time when I took initiation from Prabhupada um, or even before I did, when I was, um, I had joined about three months before I got initiated out on a, in, a, in the mountains, and, and Prabhupada was in India at the time. And then when he came to, to Los Angeles, we went down there and, and initiated me. But um, at, anyway, at that time, in that period, I somehow, other I don't know why, but it just came to me, and I made a conviction like this, that if even if everybody else leaves, this gives this up. I'm never giving this up. This is this is uh, my conviction was based on um, not only the example of the devotees and not only the example of Prabhupada, which I had little experience of. I hadn't met him yet, hmm? but it was from my own experience. I had my own experience practicing um, even before meeting Prabhupada. It confirmed to me that this is, I'm never giving this up. This is out of this world uh, experience. Now, everybody might not have that. I kind of hit the ground, you know, running, if you will. Um, but uh, I, yeah, I experienced, uh, you know, ecstatic symptoms before meeting Prabhupada. <laughs> it wasn't outside of before knowing about Prabhupada, but knowing about him and following the practices that his own uh, disciples taught what he had taught to them it uh and accepting him as my guru uh you know before i was initiated and so forth um i had it was it was my experience that caused me to 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 um i think 
uh, come to that conclusion. I didn't have any reason to think like that necessarily. And many years later, um, the leader of the Los Angeles community amongst Prabhupada's disciples was a very good lecturer and a very sober type of a person. And he was the GBC. Um, I was sent to Australia to teach the devotees. And uh, from there, Prabhupada invited me to come to India. But while I was in Australia, that leader in Los Angeles, who I had been like grown up under, so to speak, for a couple of years at least, he left. He what we call a blooped at the time. You know, he left the mission, and and so he was an example of something that I had you know thought about. If everybody leaves, but he and here one person was leaving, and he was a very prominent person at the same time, and it was like wow, you know, I was like whoa, that was like how could he how could he leave? But anyway, uh, you know, I was very grounded in my own practice and convictions, and and I could understand you know, the philosophical points besides the very intricate theological points and the details of this and so the very grounding basic philosophical points. I mean, I, I, because he left, I didn't suddenly start to think maybe I am this body, you know, <laughs> you know, that was just not a, you know, not an issue. You know, maybe there isn't reincarnation, you know, maybe there isn't God, you know, maybe Prabhupada's not real, you know, those are just non, you know, non-issues that, that that's not the kind of question that arose out of that so i i naturally thought about such things philosophically and i thought hmm, well i guess yeah some people could leave and, and i think reason you know philosophically why that might be the case and and so on and so forth and you know they went on in time well it happened more times and there were many 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 disconcerting examples of devotees i mean there weren't i can't say there were many i mean there were a number but they didn't, the vast majority, you know, wasn't like that. They were uh, supportive and, you know, followers and so forth. Now, over time, after the departure of Prabhupada and so forth, well, um, um, the many of my god brothers and god sisters have, haven't got good association and they really need it. And, and they're, um, they're not experiencing Krishna consciousness in the way that they were. Um, I recognize that. I see that. And I see the state of Gaudi Vaishnavism overall and, and so forth. And it's very different, uh, you know, when I was young, 20, 22 years old, uh, <laughs> and so forth. But, um, so your situation is, is understandably a little, a little different and so, and so on. But, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, what I've said may be, may be useful as, by way, as way of an, uh, by way of an answer. As well, uh, I would say, you know, in short, yes, to some extent, but um, um, it's 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 also not a social club. I like this person, I like that one, so I, you know, I'll join because it works for me socially. That, that's not going to work for you in 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 the long run. Um, knowing people, in my experience, takes a long time to really really know someone, really to really know someone. Um, um, but I mean, you have a favorable group of people who inspire you to, you know, hear from their guru. I mean, we shouldn't definitely take a, a, a initiation from a guru because it's the thing to do in the group that I, that I, I like the people in the group. They're all doing it. So I'll do it too. You know, that would be, you know, a way to err in terms of what you're asking about. 
but the fact that they are an inspiration, you know, you know, would be would be certainly um, uh, positive. But I think that uh, that um, was your question about accepting the guru and how much that 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 should the, the group should. Yeah, it's, it's how much the uh, god brothers and you should let your god brothers and god sisters influence how you chose the guru. Because obviously your god brothers and god sisters are going to be a reflection of the guru. Yeah, to some extent, to some extent, but not to, not, but it has to be something, you don't have to make your own individual decision. You know, it's, it's an existential crisis, you know, just like adolescence is, uh, accepting a guru is something you have to do yourself. You have to think it out and you have to be prepared that all the people that brought you to it, the person that taught you about it in the, in the bar who was drunk was a devotee. You know, for example, I've seen things like that happen. Um, you know, or the person who taught you about it later on may not be, may turn out not to be a good example and you can't learn from him or her. You have to be prepared for that to happen too. Um, so your, your faith of the guru should not be dependent upon that, but hopefully it will be supported by that and that support will, will, will remain. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much for your insightful, very insightful uh, answer. Thank you. Okay. I'm glad I could help. So I think we have some more questions, but we're a little over time already. So uh, forgive me for being long-winded on some of the questions. We didn't get everybody's uh, answered everybody's question today. But next week I'll be in North Carolina, and um, I think on Sunday there's the there's the Vyasa Puja celebration day before Gaur Purnima, and I think that will be broadcasted in place of this and there will be questions and answer period in the evening as well. So hopefully whatever they arrange out there, I'll be available uh, again on Sunday. Yeah, and we'll be streaming at the same time. Okay. Hope to see you then. Jai. Very well. Shaguru Maharaj ki jai.